Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So the last candidate for the Hall of Fame is Rafael Palmero. I found a Baltimore Sun article from... May of 1998, with a specific earth-shattering blockbuster trade that was on the table between the New York Mets and the Baltimore Orioles. And there were names involved. And we could all decide, A, would the Mets have been better off? Spoiler alert, yes. And B, why didn't they make this trade? So here's what happened. First of all, as far as Palmero is concerned, he always had horrible career numbers against the Mets. But I looked into it closer, a little misleading. Remember, early in his career in the National League with the Cubs, it wasn't the Hall of Fame Rafael Palmero that he would become later in his career with Baltimore and Texas. So his overall numbers, 252, six career home runs, third lowest OPS versus any team, a 211 batting average, Chase Stadium. Throw it all out. It happened early in his career. In May of 1998, the Baltimore Orioles were deciding, you know what? This isn't working. It's, it's just, it's not working. We tried. We got to the LCS in 97. We got to the LCS in 96. It just ain't working in 1998. So they had two guys who were free agents to be, just to keep that in mind. Those two guys were Rafael Palmero and Roberto Alomar. Now, Med fans, 1998, Roberto Alomar. Not 2002. I didn't say 2002. 1998, Roberto Alomar. And apparently, (laughs) Palmero and Alomar, according to the Baltimore Sun, why would they lie? This is from 1998, was offered to the New York Mets for three players. Okay? And the Mets said, no. The Mets said, thanks, we're good, we'll pass. The three players were. And you tell me off, maybe you don't want to make this trade. Player number one. Carlos Baerga. You okay with that? Of, of course. Get him out of here. Oh, my God. Player number two, Subway Series hero, Dave Malicki. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm okay with that one. I think it's going to get tricky now because I'm going to give you the third player. The third player is a good player. The third player was John Olerud. All right? So that was the mm. offer on the table. Dave Malicki. Carlos Baerga, who sucked, 
and John Olerud for Rafael Palmero and Roberto Alomar in 1998. And the Mets said no. Your thoughts? Who? I mean, I'm not saying that Maliki was like the be-all, end-all to that, that, that rotation. You could find a way to replace him. Palmero and Alomar were needed. Oh, my God. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Rafael Palmero that season, okay, hit 43 home runs and drove in 121 runs with a 945 OPS. Alomar, on the other hand, and remember, at this point, this was Robbie's last year in Baltimore. He actually had one of the worst seasons of his career during that season of 1998. Uh, that season in 1998, he had 282, one of the lowest batting averages of his career, uh, hit 14 home runs, and had a 765 OPS. It was the first time since 1990 when he was with the Padres that Alomar had an OPS that low. So it was not a great year for Robbie. At the end of the season, Robbie signed with Cleveland and probably had the best season of his career, and then went on and had one of the great runs of his career in 99, 2000, and 2001. Three really good years in Cleveland. We all know what happened with the Mets. His first year with the Mets, he fell off completely. But he was about to have three more really good years. So a couple of things, if we're being fair about this offer, both guys were free agents, okay? So the Mets trading for Alomar and Palmero in 1998, does it mean they keep them? And let's not forget this. Mike Piazza, who the Mets had just acquired, just acquired him, was also a free agent. So if the Mets had made that trade, you're looking at Piazza, Alomar, and Palmero all being free agents. Are the Mets re-signing all three guys? Probably not, if we're being fair about this. But in the short term, yeah, in 1998, did the Mets probably make the playoffs as opposed to choking out and missing the wild card by one game? Yeah. No, no doubt about it. They couldn't hit the last five days of the year. Having Robbie Alomar, having Rafael Palmero, does that help? Yeah. I, so I think the biggest difference is that they make the playoffs in 1998. Do they win the pennant? Probably not. Are they beating the Padres or the Astros or the Braves? Probably not. But they make the playoffs. The then question becomes, who are they keeping? Because I can't assume, Hoff, that all three guys are being re-signed since they were all free agents. Fair point? Yeah, but, you know, you look at the Marlins, they won the year prior in 97, and they, you know, they got rid of everybody right after. So maybe you go that approach and you get a World Series under your belt. Yeah, but I, I you know what? Here's the thing. I don't think <laughs> as good as those guys were, that was going to make them a World Series team. They were still a flawed team. They still, to me, didn't have the pitching necessarily to win it. So, I, I it's a trade that when you hear, no doubt, I think all our reactions are the same if you're hearing this for the first time, which is, I, of course they should have made that trade. Yeah, because Carlos Bayego sucked too. That was He was atrocious. No doubt. No doubt. And the Met lineup, by the time they were closing out, out that season in Atlanta, was pathetic. It was not a good lineup. And as much as we all love John Olerud, Rafael Palmero was better. Like, he just was. And if you're if they kept everybody, like, if the Mets said, hey, we traded for all, we're keeping everybody, Piazza, Palmero, Alomar, they're all coming back, then I think there's a better chance the Mets win it in 1999, that they beat the Braves, or maybe win it all in 2000, that they they have a better team because they would have had a better team. Now, it means they don't get Robin Ventura. 
It means John Olerud isn't there. Like there's other things that probably occur because of it. Like you're probably looking at an infield of Alfonso at third, Ordonia's at short, Alomar at second, Palmero at first, as opposed to Olerud at first base and Ventura at third base. But yeah, considering how great both guys were and what they did in their next stop, Alomar in Cleveland, Palmero in Texas, it was a mistake not making that trade. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, yeah, it was. And but you know what? Again, no guarantees in life. No matter what they would have done, there's no guarantees. Again, like you said, they, who knows what they're going to sign? Would they have got kept Piazza? It could have gone a whole different direction. And I, and I think with Palmero in 2005, like at the very end of his career, when he was still a relatively productive player and had been outed as a guy who lied to Congress, the Mets also were rumored to being connected to him in 05 and 06 when they were looking for a first baseman. They had Doug Mankiewicz for one year. They eventually had Carlos Delgado. I'm glad they didn't make the move for him. I mean, I don't think he had that much left. He wasn't the same guy. And obviously, he was also a tainted guy based on everything that happened with the United States Congress. So, yeah, what yeah. was Paul Murrow's quote again? I did not cheat on my wife. <laughs> it, was, it was close. <laughs> very, very close. All right. So as far as these guys are concerned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And again, it's really interesting seeing who's actually voting for this. I saw a list uh, a couple of days ago of who's going to vote. And here are the 16. I'll give you the names. There's 16 names, a part of this uh, Hall of Fame contemporary baseball era ballot. Here are your voters. Chipper Jones is a voter. Fascinating. How's he not going to vote for Fred McGriff? They were teammates. I mean, he'd be a bad guy if he did. Greg Maddox, another Fred McGriff teammate. What the hell's going on here? Jack Morris shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Ryan Sandberg, Lee Smith, Frank Thomas, Alan Trammell. Those are the former players, the Hall of Fame players. Then you've got Paul Beeston, who is an executive with the Blue Jays. Theo Epstein, I know we've heard of him. Artie Moreno, what a disgrace. What a bleeping disgrace that Artie Moreno gets a Hall of Fame vote. And disgusting. I mean, the Hall of Fame honestly should be ashamed of themselves. He's the worst owner in the history of baseball. That's a little too far. I take that back. He's he's a top 10 worst owner in the history. Second worst owner in baseball. That bad, but I'm just not a fan. Sorry. Kim Ng, who is the GM of the Marlins. Dave St. Peter. I looked who this guy was. Dave St. Peter is just like a longtime Twins employee. Like, I'm sure he's had great jobs over there. I don't mean to diminish him. But he's not even in the baseball department. I think he's like in the business department or something. Ken Williams, former executive, executive. And then the media members slash historians are Steve Hurt, Laval Neal, and Susan Slusser. Susan Slusser is interesting because Susan Slusser covered baseball in the Bay Area, would not vote for bonds, and then recently wrote an article saying, hey, now that Bud Selig's in, I guess I'll hold my nose and vote for the steroid guys. So I guess that means she's a vote for Barry Bonds. Real quick, and we'll give a response to this or a reaction to this after it's announced Sunday night on the 
Sunday into Monday edition of Rico. Is Albert Bell a Hall of Famer, Hoff? Yes or no? No doubt, yes. No doubt, yes. I agree with you. Barry Bonds, Hall of Famer. Yes. I agree with you. Roger Clemens, Hall of Famer. Yes. What was that? What do you mean? Yes. Is he? I, don't, I, I hate him more than anybody else, but yes. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing about hating him, but okay. Uh, I agree with you. Don Mattingly, and be careful because Brandon Tierney may hear this. I don't think so because if Keith Hernandez is not a Hall of Famer, then I don't think Don Baseball should be a Hall of Famer. And then it's the same thing with David Wright. Very similar careers. Yeah, you know, I, David Wright's on a different level, but yeah. I agree no. with you. I don't think Don Mattingly is a Hall of Famer either, and I'll give you my answer very simply. I just don't think he did it long enough. He had four incredibly dominant all-time – all-time maybe is too strong. I guess I'm just trying to be nice. He had some amazing, amazing seasons in which he was incredible. But I think sometimes, to me, I need more than that. And if you add it up, I could actually argue it's four dominant seasons and then two good seasons – and the rest of it was crap. And I just don't think that's enough. And by the way, in the dominant seasons that he had, it's not like he had record-breaking 1,100 OPSs. He had high nine OPSs. He won an MVP, almost won two. Like, I'm not diminishing what he did, but to me, four years isn't enough. So, he's not Okay, so, I mean, you compare him to a pitcher in Sandy Koufax. His career got cut short, but they were dominant for his entire career. Koufax was what? better, though. Like, in oh, yeah. terms oh. of what they did, Sandy dominated more than Mattingly. No question. I'm just trying to think of, like, the the lowest level of Hall of Famer that had a shortened career offensively. Where can Donnie rank next to that? No, I'm going to tell you the guy. I'm going to tell you the comparison of Don Mattingly, and it's it's a Met guy. It's Met-related, and he's not a Hall of Famer, and he wasn't even close. He is an offensive version of Johan Santana. Look at Johan won a bunch of Cy Youngs. Like, Johan Santana was freaking awesome. And no one even considers him for the Hall of Fame because he didn't do it long enough. And if you're going to be Colfax, and that's a comparison we like to hear, if you're going to be Jim Brown, then you you better be the best of all time for those four years. Not, yes, really good, the MVP, which has been done, but you have to be all-time, all-time. So to me, I say the answer is no. Fred McGriff, Hall of Famer? No. I agree with you. That's a compiler. That's a definition of a compiler. Had a nice, fine career, not a Hall of Famer. Dale Murphy. Uh, did you watch him enough? Would you rather pass on Dale Murphy? I, I don't have enough on him. I don't. All right. My opinion is no, and it's it's based on numbers, and there's a little bit of a bias. Dale Murphy, after the age of 31, was nothing. It was nothing. And so I only remember Dale Murphy as like a really crappy player, but I'm not judging him based on that. I, again, it goes back to the Mattingly theory, which is how great do you need to be for how long? And to me, Dale Murphy doesn't have that. I'm also a hard marker. I admit that. I'm a dick. I, I, I'll go with it. That's fine. Uh, Rafael Palmero, Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think it's a yes. I think yeah, I say yes. no. because And it's not even just the steroids. Like You can give me the 3,000 hits and the 500 home runs all day. I never felt he was a great, great, great player. I think he was a guy that put up huge numbers in the steroid era, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I just never felt he was all-time as it was even happening. So, I mean, I'll give you one example. But but, but it's hard, hard though, when you're comparing him. I I hate this argument because when you're a great player and there's like four special players that just happen to be 
unfreaking believable, which was basically Sosa, McGuire, Bonds, and maybe there was one other player that you could throw in there too that were on a different level. It's like, how are you not able to? I understand you that why. you're not that great. I'll tell you why. Because Rafael Palmero, who was a gold glove first baseman, okay, keep that in mind, finished top five in the MVP voting once. So it's not being blocked by three or four all-time players, despite 40 home runs, 140 RBIs one year. He still wasn't getting MVP votes on a top five level. That tells me something. That's that's important to me. And that's why, yeah, you see 569 home runs and you see 3,000 hits and you see these numbers that are very tough to deny. But you know what also I don't see? Bold. And what I mean by that is when you go on baseball reference, bold means you led the league. Rafael Palmero never led the league in home runs, never led the league in RBIs, never led the league in average, never led the league in OPS. The only thing he ever led the league in once was doubles, one time. So, again, I'm a hard marker. That's why I say no to Rafael Palmero. And lastly, Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling, a Hall of Famer. I I can't I I hate him so much but yes I think he probably is I agree I think he is too I think he's one of the great clutch pitchers in the history of baseball um, legendary moments legendary teams uh, great regular season numbers too but I think the postseason is what puts him over the top so that's the ballot that will be announced Sunday night uh, and we'll give you a quick reaction to it we're not going to do a whole podcast about it or anything like that but we'll give you some quick thoughts on that. Uh, when it is announced Sunday night. Now, I, I'd actually trade, take the sock, the bloody sock, out of the Hall of Fame, and you can put Schilling in. How about that? <laughs> hey, it was almost a Met. Steve Phillips was trying to trade for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> can you believe it? Anyhow, any thoughts, reactions, you can always email the podcast at the B at gmail.com, at the B gmail.com. Coming up in a few days, Joe DeMeo, who to me is one of the best kind of minor league experts around the New York Mets. He has a Met pod himself, which you should check out. The Mets pod also works for SNY. We'll go deep into the Mets farm system with Joe. Also coming up next week, we will finally get into the legendary players or favorite players you had and how you felt when they left the New York Mets. Got a lot of tweets about that. We'll read some of them. We'll give you our thoughts and go through the litany of guys that kind of fit that bill. And obviously, any reactions to any moves that finally do happen around Jacob DeGrom and Brandon Nemo and whatnot. Uh, so keep it right here to the Rico. Check out Pete. He's with Tiki and Tini during the week. Me with Craig during the week at 2 o'clock. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>